Hello? Hello. I think Lee may have frozen. Yeah. Uh-oh. Unless he's just dabbing right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he was suddenly he crying. by uh yeah, by Yeah, we've just disappointed him one too many times. Sorry, just talking about poor life decisions. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we could be here all day. Yeah. Yeah. John Lovitz here to present to you Dungeon World. Hunt for the Black Stallions. Or here comes another one. Whoopsie doo. All here on this American Dice. Join an ex-genie, a brutal thief, a little boy who's dumb as shit, a holy man who's got way too many names, and a dungeon master who's giving it his best on an adventure that they'll all fuck around with. Here we go, John Lovitz. Gather around, adventurers. The world is a slightly shittier world than our own. (laughs) The time is now. The game is Dungeon World. has been tasked by a mysterious master who has hired you guys to track down and kill the infamous Black Stallions, mm. the most hated group in all of Raven Coast. I hate to join our party in the midst of their journey into the heart of Hollow Hill, where they've pursued none other than the rogue Rook Bishop, leader of the Black Stallions. There they hope to foil Rook's attempt to complete an unspeakable ritual and put an end to him and the remnants of his gang once and for all. This isn't the party's first tussle with the Black Stallions. Our band first discovered Rook's plan after besting Roadby Murderbeam, the weaver of maleficent melodies, an epic battle of wits. Before his execution, Brody performed a final song, a dirge so sad that a member of the party, the wizard Tormen, took his life after hearing it. Ooh, can I throw a detail in there? Oh, please do. So, Tormen attempted to save the rest of the group, and he cast a spell that was, um that was meant to like steal the hearing of the rest of the group temporarily. Hmm. So that way they wouldn't have to endure this. But what he, but because he was already like affected by the song, instead of just deafening everyone temporarily so they could escape, he stole their hearing. So all he did was hear the sadness from like five different perspectives. And it was so sad that then afterwards he killed himself. Uh, And thus was the end of Tormund, the teacher of Thessalonia. Tormund, the terror down of the Temple of Torture. Tormund, the torpid, who for a hundred years slept to be wakened to this fate. I like it. And now... The only thing keeping him alive was mono. Yeah, he had mono. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Walking mono. Yeah. His lymph nodes were beautifully massive. (laughs) <laughs> Always on fire. Yeah. And now he's asleep again, forever. Now he's, now, yeah, exactly. So your initial foray into the abandoned city has gone well, uh, but it's taken a toll, and your party is now resting in the ruined sanctuary on the summit of the hill. Above you, stormy skies and the distant alien form of a gargantuan outstrider, drawn to ancient places of power such as these. Around you, a sputtering campfire, 
and huddled forms of your party members, and a runty goblin whose life you inexplicably spare. And beneath you, the yawning barrow of Hollow Hill, and all the horrors it holds inside. All right, so you guys are around this uh, campfire. Why don't we start uh, with, um, oh, let's see here. Hold on a second. Uh, real quick, what is an outstrider? Because I typed it in to look it up, and I just got metal bands. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, it's an eldritch horror. Uh, it's gargantuan. Other than that, awesome. why don't you tell me one detail about an outstrider? Ooh. Oh, um, it's an elemental horror. It's gargantuan. I'm imagining it's like... Uh, almost Not like e- a... elemental, I said eldritch. Eldritch, I apologize. Um, it's... An eldritch horror. It's gargantuan. I imagine, like, kind of at the end of Princess Mononoke, there's almost like this, like, outliney form um, that seems to be sucking the light from around it into it. So we only see, like, kind of the outline. Yeah, um, I like that. What it is. But otherwise, we're like, well, that's huge. What the hell is that? Maybe Tormund would have known, but we don't. I like that. All right. So let's cut to. Hold on. Corvid the Cleaver, around the campfire. Corvid, tell us a little about yourself. Oh, that's me. I kind of forgot for a second. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Corvid the Cleaver, he's a, he's a thief. He's um, Oh, he's a professional wire cutter, which is what the term it, in this world is for just like a trap finder. And he's a uh, group on the mean streets. He's, mm. uh, he's more of a, a rough and tumble kind of rogue. And uh, I think he's, um, I think I said in that email, he, this is the longest he stayed with a party because he, he um, either they pay him well or they uh, treat him with respect or maybe both or neither. Who knows why? But he's kind of a rough guy, probably, uh, oh, who did I say? Like, um, oh, the guy who played Venom, whose name I forget. Tom Hardy? Yeah, Tom Hardy. I always want to say Ed Hardy, and I'm like, nope, very different people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So you you look totally nondescript, is what you're saying? Yeah. Your oh, your character has like a skull on the back with a dagger mm-hmm. on his shirt, and it's got like a. I yeah, killed Ed. Was <laughs> <laughs> um, he human? What does he look like? Oh yeah, yeah, human. Um, kind of probably a you know like a bigger frame than the stereotypical thief would have. Why don't we do uh, bonds for him as well now? Um, yeah, I was I was gonna wait to see what everyone else was to see what bonds they. But the ones the options I have, just throw them out there is, I stole something from somebody. Somebody has my back when things go wrong. Somebody knows incriminating details about me, and someone and I have a con running. Hmm. Okay. One one question for Corbin then. Um, hmm. Your mysterious liege. Um, he has something compelling on you, compelling you on your des- desperate quest. An offer you can't refuse, a secret you want kept, or a debt you must repay. What is it? Mm. Okay, so, yeah, I was thinking maybe there's like a Thieves Guild kind of thing, and he, Corvid tried to get into the Thieves Guild, but they just kicked him out. And maybe normally you don't get kicked out, you just get murdered and left in an alley. But maybe this person, our liege, whoever it is, um, for whatever reason, um, decided to intercede and just like, no, just go away. 
just don't talk about the thieves guild anymore get out of here kid to him or her who knows <laughs> okay so let's pass across the fire to um, David John Elijah Michael Matthew <laughs> David John why don't you tell us a little about yourself well well where do I start I started on the Lord's path of the double light um, way back when I was in a wicked way and I came upon the temple of the day of the double light and heard its calling and its message and um, also enjoyed the three meals that were offered per day sometimes four and um, from there grew strong um, David John Elijah Michael Matthew named after several figures in the in the testament of double light uh he's a larger man he's quite stout he's very um he is outgoing he is definitely somebody who likes to meet strangers and tell them about the path of the double light and um he is on he is on a dark path at this point because of uh the cult of of uh of of leaf smoking good times having zatanic uh farming people that have strayed away from the light and now are living in a haze of shadow and um dancing and jazz music so David John Elijah Michael Matthew um, has has put himself on a quest now to redeem himself after many of his followers were led astray by um, these uh, drug taking cultists, and he's he's joined this group to try to seek um, relics of power that could help him and uh, spread the double light across the entire land. Nice, I like that. Um... So here you are in Hollow Hill, the heart of the Barrowlands. David, John, Elijah, Michael, Matthew. What is it that you hate about the Barrowlands? Oh, well, first of all, you know, it's there's nothing really great to eat. You can't really, you got to bring your food with you here. Um, there's no inns. The Barrowlands are named because they're quite barren. And, um, <laughs> you know... It, it was a mispronunciation of, of Baron Barrows, uh, just a bastardization of the proper English for it. So the um, the people here also they uh, <laughs> they they just the people here suck. I mean, like he's been here before. He's had some friends in this area. He had people that he used to hang out with in the Barrowlands, but um, you know, none of them none of them ever return his letters anymore. And he does, he wonders why he thinks that, you know, maybe these people all just suck. Okay. I'm going to go over to, um, Dorman the free. All right. I'm going to go ahead and read you his little bio. Dorman the free Dorman lived a pretty average life for a genie that all changed when his last master, a well-meaning young mage used her final wish to grant Dorman his freedom. 
When the magical smoke cleared, the mage was gone, and a bewildered doorman set out to learn what being immortal is all about. Judging from his past masters, he's pretty sure it has something to do with gold. So, okay. he, uh, appearance-wise, he kind of looks like Kill Drogo, just not nearly as angry all the time. And, uh... And hotter. Yeah. Yeah, just so much hotter, like irresistible. Oh, I didn't think that's possible. Yeah, this time, this time we're going we for are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, thought, so that, I thought that was his genie tail going into the lamp. <laughs> well, he still carries his lamp around with him as like his token of his past life. It's very well polished. And he keeps it on his belt. Um, and just so you know, uh, Dungeon Master, for the Barbarian Quirk, it's a... Uh, if you want to ask me something at the beginning of each session about my homeland or, or like why I left or something like that, I'm supposed to answer them and get XP. He doesn't want to. No, I do. That's... Uh, all right, Dorman. Um, your original master was a wizard named Ilkor. What did he do to you that made you hate him so much? Original as in my very first? That's the meaning of the word, yeah. Hmm. Well, this would have been a long, long time ago. Uh, and this was back then the world was even more lawless than it already is. And as he was my first master, I had expected some amount of respect. You know, I was just the average djinn. Uh, I got along with most of my coworkers. I had a loving family in the plane in my lamp. But Ilkor, he had very different ideas. And he had me do, help him with unspeakable rituals that introduced me in a very harsh way to the violence that's so common amongst mortals. Mm. So essentially, he had me, uh, he broke down all my expectations for decency in the in my mortal masters i like it okay and finally over to um funny the learned right so um yeah the deal with the deal with uh len as uh he is called by most folks um is that he wasn't the person who was initially like hired or asked to come on this journey hold on the guy yeah. is showing up <laughs> um yeah. So no, he. So uh, Len was not the one hired or asked to come on this journey. It was initially um, his like master or sensei or whatever you want to say, Tormund, uh, Tormund, uh, the teacher of Thessalonia, and all the other names that I said earlier. But um, Tormund brought. Len along as his assistant, and Tormund always called Len um, Leonard the Learned. And uh, so, when we see Len, he's like he's a little kid, like he's maybe like twelve years old, and um, he is wearing um, like. Did you ever see the movie Black Cauldron, like an old Disney movie? No. But yeah. Okay, it's. It's it's weird. The premise that it starts out with is absurd, and then it gets pretty spooky. Um, but yeah, so he's basically that kid where he was like a little farm boy, and this crazy wizard showed up and was like, "This shall be my apprentice." And like, then it's basically like, "Hi, I'm Gandalf's assistant, and I'm just learning what's going on." Um, and uh, he's been teaching Len as we kind of went on our journey. So. Uh, a lot of this stuff is new to Len, and he has like just a big bag of books. He's constantly going through to figure stuff out, and he's wearing um, the only thing he could take. Um, we like buried the corpse of uh, Tormund 
and the two things that he has from Tormund, the three things he has from Tormund are his staff, that's way too big for a 12-year-old, a massive bag of like huge encyclopedia-sized books, and a wizard hat that's also way too big. Nice. I like that. And so, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do a little kid voice uh, that isn't too annoying. Good luck. Yeah, surreal. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> two, two details about magic in this world that I'm going to um, sort of switch up from, from other games. They're, and it's more um, superficial than anything. Uh, there are two kinds, of ma- two kinds of arcane magic in the world. One is else calling, and it's like uh, it's not something that you do, but it's basically um, calling things from a parallel universe in. It happens. It's a, it, like it requires you to basically to be like mentally ill as a practitioner. Okay, uh, you, you, <laughs> I see. You, I see where this is going already. <laughs> you you need to hold uh, two different worlds in your head at the same time and be able to pass them through to one another. People suspect like that's where the outstriders come from, mm-hmm. among many other things. Uh, the other form of arcane magic is sort of like the traditional wizarding uh, arcane magic that you come to know and love in Dungeon World. Uh, and that operates much as it uh, does in any other game. Other than in this world, uh, uh, magic is like your lifeblood if you're a mage. And it ages you to spend magic. So um, like any mage uh, could sort of super cast a spell like make a make a make a bigger spell at the cost of his own life and similarly and so basically anytime you're casting any kind of magic you're shortening your lifespan um and this is why all 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 wizards in any kind of fiction look old and have big bushy beards right it's because magic ages them Uh, Mm. and how you might ask well that that wizards then stay alive for long periods of time the answer is basically they do these like they seek out magic, right? They research magic and they perform rituals. And all of that is them sort of storing up magic inside themselves for later time. Uh, so all of that's like just color, they, which you can largely take or leave. Um, but it may just explain why your character is preternaturally aging if he starts casting a lot of spells. And similarly, like if there's an opportunity for magical research and that sort of thing, it will. Uh, retard your aging very cool all right guys well why don't we do the bonds uh on the on the character sheets just so we have them I mean, down um, let me just go back to the same order we were in previously so corbin it makes sense for len to know incriminating details about me as the theoretically smartest person okay that could kind of work or maybe uh yeah maybe um i read something in um Corman. I read something in Tormund's journal. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, maybe I read something in Tormund's journal or like a, some, some notes on the side, and we'll have to figure out what that is at some point. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. What makes the most sense to me is um, I think uh, maybe Dorman has my, uh, has my back when things go wrong. All right. And uh, for sure, stole something from David John. <laughs> Great. What do you think uh, I would have stolen? Um, Maybe some like religious bobble or something that looks expensive or something like that? 
Yeah, yeah, because he likes he's a flashy guy. So he definitely have some like his favorite um where'd my double silver spoons go yeah yeah um yeah i like that double silver spoons <laughs> about that and then um Just drinking my morning coffee is no longer the same <laughs> put a big damper on them and i was thinking um the rationale behind dormant having my back maybe uh since uh corvus kind of like rougher maybe um i don't know maybe it's like oh some of my masters in the past have been terrible but i can tell that you're not as bad as them for some reason oh you have, you have such a strong heart maybe also i look up i respect you because ever since i became a human mortal i have made gaining riches and property my goal because i i believe that's like intrinsic to living like a mortal should and you being a thief i see you as like a role model in that respect Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, I like that. Cool. That rounds me out then. All right. All right, David John, Michael Matthew, Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is pretty funny the way this has worked out. So Corvid has stood by me in battle and can be trusted completely. <laughs> I like that. Oh um, sorry, before I forget, you gotta take like boons and some sort of drawback, right? I don't know about drawback. So my boon right. is you dedicate yourself to a mission through prayer and ritual cleansing. Slay yeah. Blank, deflame blank. Discover the truth of blank. My quest is purge the land of Zatanic influence. Um, All right. And uh, boons are invulnerability to fire and a voice that transcends language, and which is also why I love karaoke. Um, but uh, I respect the beliefs of Dormans, but hopes he sees the the true way, the true way. Yeah, someday. Down on your breath, buddy. The way I see Dormand also is um, just kind of like foolish. Like I don't really believe that Dormand was really a genie before. You know, like if Dormand is is Dormand open about that? Oh, totally. Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't believe that. Like I just think you're crazy. I think that it's I think it's cool though. Like what I respect about it is I respect that you believe that you're a god, you know. But um, well, not a god. I mean, he was really just in in, in his world he was an accountant. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Gods, accountants. We all religions, you know, we we've I guess in my religion, you know, being you know being able to give wishes and everything is like a god like power i don't know if that's like accounting to us is just that's math you know yeah, we don't math, do that math magic yeah so um so yeah i kind of respect like i just respect that you're like respects you in this way that you know like a motivational speaker i'd respect them for being like you can be whatever you want to be oh. and and i'm just like all right torman's got the right he's got the right point of view here so a vaguely condescending respect <laughs> yeah yeah and um and then um uh austin what's your character's name i uh you guys have probably heard me constantly referred to as by uh by torment he constantly called me called you me uh leonard the learned but yes. now that he's gone he's like oh you guys can just call me len len 
All right, Len, your misguided behavior endangers your very soul. <laughs> All right. Dabbling, dabbling <clears throat> in the magical arts as you are. It's going to take a toll on you. I don't know. It doesn't say anything about that in here, but I'll keep looking. All right. Dorman? Okay, Dorman uh, feels that Corvid shares his hunger for glory. The earth will tremble at our passing. Uh, David John, he feels, is always getting into, getting into trouble. I must protect them from himself. <laughs> and Len's ways are strange and confusing because Dorman is used to associating with wizards who are very self-assured, confident, and powerful, and just simply manifest what they wanted, whereas Len doesn't seem to be doing any of those things yet, even though he is a wizard. All right, Len. All right, so I got these pretty easy. Um, based on what I have read in uh, the journal, I know that Corvid will play an important role in the events to come, for I have foreseen it. Really, Tormund foresaw it, but I read his foreseeings. <laughs> Um, Dorman, uh, I believe is keeping an secret from me. And I think that I should plant the seed of this. Now it relates to what magic is that Dorman as like a creature born of magic from like perhaps a different plane or perhaps from a different thing has information about magic that Len does not know at all. And I think possibly maybe Tormund like didn't, maybe he didn't know. To, to, yeah, Dorman knows it's all a trick. Something, who, yeah. Or he's like, <laughs> oh, I know that he knows something, but I don't know what. Um, and then uh, Alex's character, David, John, Elijah, Matthew, Muhammad, Jesus. <laughs> the third. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, is, of his name. Is woefully misinformed about the world, and I will teach them all that I can. So I think, like, yeah, our worldviews kind of, like, butt up against one another, and I... And constantly like looking in books and being like, I don't know, sir. I don't see anything about that in here. That sounds like, that sounds like uh, it, it might just it might just be you that thinks that. I don't no, know. No, you've got the wrong book, man. You've got the wrong <laughs> books you're reading. Yeah, but I mean, if you cross reference this book with the other book, they all they all match up. But this one just no. There's just one book. That's the thing, man. I don't get it. You guys all all <laughs> the different books say different <laughs> things. All right, there's only one book that's right. And that's uh, the, the book of the double light. <laughs> and it's double right. I came back in time. I came back in time to warn you. Don't trust President Gwyneth Paltrow. I know what she's told everybody. I know that her secret patches have been helping us reduce our ketosis levels to uh, achieve maximum, maximum fat burning. But my god, we can't trust there's something dark. There's something dark there. Oh god, the portal, it's sending me back! Uh All right, so uh, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about like the 
the fight to get into Hollow Hill, the the reason you're resting in this uh, ruined sanctuary, uh, and how uh, how the scabby goblin came to be uh, sitting at your campsite, camp, campsite fire. Is this the same goblin that we made friends with, uh, that the black stallions had made friends with? I mean, his name is Emperor Bone Weevil. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's covered in scabs and he's wearing a chamber pot for a crown excellent yeah. excellent okay um he, he's uh imperious haughty and very stupid <laughs> <laughs> okay so were we fought were we on the black stallions trail when we got to this uh to this place is that the idea the idea is like you've been hunting the black stallions for a while they're like uh america's most wanted um and you've been hired to to dispatch them once and for all. You track down Brody, who gave you the location to for Rook and the rest of them. And uh, now you're here to finish the job. But you're out now in like the middle of nowhere, this sort of like ghost town, the seat of an ancient evil empire. Um, you fought your way in. You got to sort of like the 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 edge of the castle, and uh, now you're like. <laughs> taking a breather before you, you, you start the, the final journey. Um, I'll, I'll throw something out to get us started. I think that there were, this place was like abandoned, but there were um, like still like magical traps and that kind of stuff. And so when we got to the gates, even though the gates themselves, like the walls were crumbling and whatnot and wouldn't have uh, offered up any real defense had we were just like, Oh, we'll just climb over them. It'll just take a couple hours. Um, there were statues built into the walls and they like came to life. And, um, the first time that, uh, without the help of Tormund, the teacher of Thessalonia, uh, without Tormund's help, uh, the first time that Len ever like cast a spell, it was to, um, like help stop these, uh, almost giant, like, golem kind of things that were going after us. I like that. So how did you guys happen upon Emperor Bone Weevil? So Lee, sorry, I just was reading my my playbook and it looks like you need to assign a blessing to me. Or sorry, you need to assign a vow that I need to maintain. Yeah, that's what I was asking about. Uh, all right, so... And the options are... Yeah, no, I see it. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> the truth. In the ruins of this ancient civilization, there's like, there's very little left. Like you're, you're descending upon like Alexandria after the fall. Or like Rome after it's been like sacked by the Visigoths. There's like, there's little left, and so in that vacuum of power is swept in like, you know, on the outer edges things like stray dogs and like, um, just just sort of wild creatures. But as you get in closer, it's like tribes of goblins and like the nomadic packs of orcs and that sort of thing. And among um, one of these groups you found this goblin who's in a cage who seemed to be like different from the rest he's, he's been helping you through um but he's still a goblin by nature you know he he hates books and tries to burn them at any opportunity that he gets 
Uh, and his hey, favorite thing in the world is to uh, eat dogs after he's yeah. chopped them up with his. I was dog. just gonna say, he loves eating dogs. Dog. <laughs> I'll even say like he's he's on the campfire by you like just 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 like eating raw dog. <laughs> so or maybe he calls it raw dog in it. <laughs> God. So maybe when we first came across him, he was able to convince us that he knows his way around these blighted lands, and in fact that he had like that he was an emperor. Yeah, he's uh, an emperor of this one's great land. Right, and he and he like convinces us that he is still an emperor. He says, "I have an army waiting for me." For, the, for their emperor to come back to them. And we, we free him. He proves he does know his way around. He takes us through these like shortcuts. And he takes us to like where he says his riches and his armies reside. We get down this dark cavern and it's all these undead goblins. His, his armies has been dead for like a long, long time. And we have to fight our way through it. And all the riches have long been plundered. But we keep him around because it's clear that he at least does know the layout of this place. Yeah. And, He's like your golem, only stupider and like without the ambition. <laughs> All right. Um, um, hmm. David, uh, what help were you given, or what item were you given to help you on your quest? Hmm. I was given a, um, I was given a magical compass that pointed us in the right direction of powerful magical relics. Hmm. How about uh, it points you toward um, uh, the Lord of the Double Light's will? Okay. Yeah. AKA the, the DM. The Double uh, Compass. No, no. It just spins around all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, totally unreliable. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. Um, hmm. Okay. So, uh, what do you guys hear? Here, coming from the barrel beneath you. I mean, it seems like maybe those undead, that undead horde of goblins. They're like partying, being all super loud. Yeah, and they're... Uh, yeah, there's goblins near me who are being way too loud. They're like, the bone of our emperor, bone live here. So we can tear them limb from limb. You can join us in the undead. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's just my first, my first thought. It doesn't move us uh, to anything new. Right. established. Well, so you guys are making camp. I think there's like a role for that. Um, keep watch or something like that. Take watch. When you're on watch and something approaches the camp, uh, roll plus wisdom. So who um, who's keeping watch over the course of the night? A doorman will do it. All right. So, so doorman has a touch of agoraphobia on account of like feeling as though he belongs on a lamp. But he'll like huddle under like a, an outcropping or something, and he can sit and watch. Okay. Uh, anyone keeping watch with you? Um, yes, Corvid is. Okay. Um, so go ahead and roll plus wisdom, Dorman. And um, Corvid, are you going to help him? I think he's on mute. Uh, yes. What am I doing? Oh, we're camping. Yeah, you guys are on guard. Um, looking out so how would you help right. him? yeah he's um Corbin's pretty used to um you know looking out he's got pretty sharp eyes so might just be uh an extra set but like that's yeah you can give me advice it'll be like uh there is no night in the world where I came from I'm still learning uh the differences in perception so I'll 
roll my wisdom. I got a nine. Nice. All right. Um, so in a seven through nine, you act a moment just too late. You're awake, uh, but you haven't had time to prepare. So I'll say what you noticed is um, bone weevil. Oh, oh. Uh, go on. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I, I misread the roll, but I'm committed now. Just do it. Uh, okay. Uh, so bone weevil has like found a, a secret holy compartment uh, and is uh, looting the goods. Uh, but before you have like time to respond, he's like chucking holy potions over his uh, over his shoulder, smashing them, and like eating down on like the holy bread. And uh, there's like a, he's found like a, a holy text of some sort, and he's he's tearing it to pieces and laughing maniacally. And this is happening while um, uh, while Corvid and Dorman are on watch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dorman, Dorman will watch passively until he sees him start destroying something that looks valuable. Yeah, the book looks very valuable, like unspeakably valuable, but he's just saying, burn the books, tear the books, smash the dogs, eat the dogs. All right, I'll go to, like, grab him by... Do goblins have tails? Uh, some do. He doesn't. All right. I'm going to... Does he still wearing his pot yeah. crown? Okay, I'm going to take off his pot crown and be like, you are not emperor here, little one. He's like, I'm the, I'm the god Emperor Bone Weevil. I'm, I'm Emperor everywhere. I'll give him like a kick in the ribs and say, in this camp, you, we're, we're all equals in this camp. You are not Emperor here. You, these are not your things to destroy. And like latch on to the, to his uh, chamber pot. And that's what he's now focused on. And his, his arm is sort of like gnawing on your, uh, his, his mouth is now gnawing on your arm, but it's like doing no damage whatsoever. I'll be like watching him curiously and as long as he stays attached to my arm I'll just go sit back down he's like you taste like a dog <laughs> and uh what's we keeping him alive for I say uh th- this one seems to have knowledge of uh of this cursed place I'm the true power here you just you're only here in my sufferance you know and I say mm-hmm. I-, I was unimpressed by your kingdom god emperor bone weevil so is that book over there, but now it's in pieces. And I'll, I'll nod and say, I, I must admit, I, I have difficulty seeing why David, uh, David John respects it so much. I've seen, I've seen paper everywhere in my travels. It just looks like more paper to me. He's like, yeah. And he, like, he, he's sort of like looking over at uh, Lenny the Learned in his pack and like rubbing his hands together. And I'll say, but they're not yours, and all the same. Not yet, they're not. <laughs> so you guys are like roused by this, uh, this uh, disagreement. So is this all David John's uh, stuff? Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not. <laughs> You're in a ruined sanctuary. That's the okay. you found some sort of like cache. And uh, oh, I thought it was David John's book. <laughs> no, you, you, yeah. Is is anything uh, salvageable there? Or did he destroy all this? Uh, I'll say there's a there's like a um, a symbol, like a holy symbol. Oh, hey, what's going on, guys? Is something happen out here? Yeah, we're burning books. You're what? We're burning all the books. Yeah. Don't oh, say. David John left a cache of books up here somehow, and this creature found them. David John, your god is truly powerful to have placed books here for you. Sure. My book. Um, let's see the. What the creature was, these books are 
Something chewing on these? Was it these have been passed down from from father to son to son to father? You know how long it takes to make one of these books? So um, who did this? David John, go ahead and try to spout lore. Okay. Or discern realities, either one of those. Spout lore, I think, would be the better one. So, when you consult your accumulated knowledge about something, roll plus intelligence. Oh, okay, so that's minus one. Um, what, what do I roll a D? What? Two, Two dice. Okay, so I got a ten. Oh, wow. Alright, so, like, looking at the tattered pieces of this book and the holy symbol, you realize, like, this isn't, these aren't books of your faith at all. They're books of like, uh, as far as you're concerned, a demon. The, the demon god Kaladin. There's like, throwing scraps of paper on the ground. Boo. Boo. This book sucks. Where'd you find it? You're staying, <laughs> and looking around, you're like, you're staying in the ruined sanctuary of Kaladin. What are you guys doing? You're destroying these books. I mean, there's something we could learn from these. I mean, come on, guys. You can't learn nothing from these books. I say, regardless, greater fools could purchase them from us for much coin. We should keep them intact until we can get back to town. I mean, if they're really if they're really bad books, I don't know if we should sell them to, to people. But these are books of evil power. They should not be shared with us. Well, I mean, if we're going to if we're going to stop bad guys, wouldn't wouldn't it make sense for us to look through these and see what kind of bad stuff bad guys do, so we know how to stop them from doing the bad things? Yes, power, power at any cost would be the way of your path, young Lenny. But what what you'll one what you'll find out is that doing the right thing is really all you need to do. I don't think we're come saying here. the things come at here, all. Come here. Come here. Come here. He comes Just over. David John gives him a big hug. All right. <laughs> he, he tussles his hair like under, with a big hat on his head, and he's like, oh. yeah. And then he picks up the book, and then he kind of like touches it to it. He's like, oh, you're cute. Like puts it on his, you know, touches it to his cheek. Like. <laughs> uh, Corbin, why don't you... Uh... Lenny the Learned has a lot of dangers to uh, possibly worry about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel Corbin's just definitely pocketing that uh, holy symbol. It's like, oh, no one wants it. I'll say uh, I want it. You wait. I just wink at him. Yeah. Wait, what, what is that? What'd you say? Yeah, so you get the oh, holy symbol. symbol. Uh, Dorman. Sorry, I you, you broke it. I'll say, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'll say uh, I wink at Dorman, and then to uh, David John, I'll say, uh, yeah, well, uh, looks like that little uh, monster ate all the important stuff, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. Ah, yes, ah, Dorman yeah. will nod vigorously. Eaten. Uh, hmm. Lenny, why don't you roll your defy danger? Sure. Intelligence. Okay. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. If we're not doing anything else, as I draw me. Lenny closer <laughs> to my lap. But yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's charisma. All right. So let me roll. Why <laughs> we can't have children in our games, Alex? Two d six. Two d six. All right, guys. Okay, sirs. I got a eight naturally plus two ten. 
All right, so you see um, Bone Weevil's just running away with your pack of books. Oh. Get, uh, wait, stop him. Get him back here. He's, he's like jumping down into the maw of Hollow Hill. He's, ta- he's taken my books. We'll need those. And I think uh, Lenny, Len starts running after him. All right, okay. Dormin will follow, unsheathing so, his giant sword. I will, I will yell at the goblin. Stop! Color of the double light. Get back here! Those aren't yours. We need those. Don't destroy those. Those aren't for you. So I'm learning. I'm using I am the law, which is giving an NPC an order based on divine authority. Um, but I rolled for it and it didn't work. <laughs> Perfect. I'm the law basically works as like a taunt. Like you yell at somebody and they have to either do what they what you say, back away cautiously and flee, or attack you. Well, as as a heads up to you, Lee, my uh, lens game plan is he's just like full board. Those books are incredibly important to him. They're one of three things that he has uh, to remind him of Tormund, and they're important to his study. So he just is like absolutely like he's running after this goblin. If this goblin's going into something incredibly dangerous, he still goes after him. What's yeah. uh, what's in there? What sort of books? Um, the way the books work in this game is uh, essentially like they're almost like the adventuring gear. No, I, I get that, but I'm just uh, wondering more more sort of thematically. Like uh, thematically, you, you, you've got Tormund's uh, journal, but what else yeah, you got? So one, is, one is definitely Tormund's journal. Another one I think is like some uh, almost like historian's book. About like like the history of this area, or the history of like the peoples that we're dealing with, that kind nice. of thing. I like that. And I think another one is like uh, maybe like some kind of like magical, like magical study book. I don't mean <laughs> that sounds almost stupid, uh, but like a book that's like oh here are these like theories and theorems that these different people have about this that uh, either Tormund was writing, or oh no he'd be writing that stuff down in his journal but, like other stuff that like other people's theories so like i have Tormund's theories from his journal and then this is stuff that like other people had written down like well according to plutarch this uh or that kind of thing oh, okay more of a history cool all right so um so what's happened is basically you guys wake up in the middle of the night have this argument over uh this this sort of crisis that bone weevil uh precipitated over burning uh religious books that he found in the, the ruined sanctuary that you're in. Um, that uh, kicks off a kind of uh, religious debate and other debate between uh, Lenny and uh, uh, David John and uh, others watching. And while that's happening, Bone Weevil is slinked off with your books. You see him almost right away and you chase right after him. Uh, the, it takes the... Uh, the rest of you guys a, a couple seconds to catch up and when you do uh, David John points his finger at um, Bone Weevil and shouts what does he shout Alex? Stop in the name of the light you mongrel yeah and I'll say uh, Bone Weevil stops turns around um, throws up his middle finger and says uh, fuck the light and then just runs off <laughs> Um, and, but uh, no sooner do you shout that as, uh, as loud as you can uh, than you begin to hear the sounds of the barrel beneath you wakening uh, and the sounds of a sort of slow um, bone scraping plod toward you 
and it's into that noise darkness that uh, Bone Weevil disappears. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I think that Len keeps keeps running forward into that. Okay. All right. Dorman will follow as closely as he can uh, to retrieve these books and try and protect Len. Yeah, and he keeps yelling, like, get back here! Come on, there's... Well, what are you doing? Oh, why did we give that little thing our... Oh. I'm chasing two. I think Corvid was probably, uh, like, lining up, like, uh, shot with his bow, but when he went in the darkness, it's like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, how are you guys seeing down there? Not in my purview. This might be the first light spell. I don't have any light spells. I'm casting a spell. It's a cantrip. It's light. And so, like, he, like, gets to where the darkness is and, like, fuddles around and, um, like, says a couple magic words. And, um, an item you touch glows with arcane light. So, but I first I have to cast the spell. Is that cool? Yeah, go for it. All right. So I roll plus intelligence. I got a six and a two. That's ten again, baby. Nice. All right. Yeah, so how does it work? Spell successful. Yes. Um, basically, I cast it on an item, and it's the item is as uh, bright as the torch, and so he just casts it on, like, the tip of the staff. Okay. And so he has this staff. And again, the staff is bigger than he, like, probably taller than he is by a little bit. Um, and he's, like, running with this thing. So he's just, it basically is now just a torch. Yeah, so you guys just see these, like, two tiny people and then this bobbing light sort of passing away into the darkness. And uh, the way the barrow works is it's, uh, it's this huge mouth into what is essentially an underground city. And almost like a spiral staircase all the way down. But the staircase is so large that it's more like a, like an interstate on-ramp or something like that. And it's just corkscrewing down into this uh, underground city. And at each level, spokes coming off that, like spokes off a wheel into like different districts and that sort of thing. And Bone Weevil is just charging down into there. And when you light up the staff, uh, it, it sheds light down on like the first floor. And you see these like skeletons raising these like uh, midget form skeletons raising and now coming towards you and coming toward uh, and sort of separately coming toward Bone Weevil. Oh, uh, and all of us see this? Yeah, everyone sees it, although you're the first to see it. Okay. Um, I think he just yells yells at Bone Weevil like, get, ba- get back here, bring those books back here or you're gonna get, you're gonna get eaten. He's like, these books will get eaten. Yeah, uh, you don't give those. If you don't give those back right now, we're gonna we're gonna leave you here with all those with all those gross skeletons. He's just he's just hoofing it, and he's like dodging them left and right, and just going further down into the into the into the hollow. Oh, jeez! Say this creature is true to his code. It's admirable after a fashion. <laughs> uh, so I'll unsheath my my giant two-handed sword, stand in front of Len if I catch up to him say uh we needn't be so foolhardy um oof. and he'll he'll just say like we need to get we need to get those books back there's so much information in there that can help us how, how far away are these shambling uh skeletons or enemies i'd say they're fairly close like a few minutes to like figure out what you're doing but yeah. not even minutes like seconds to figure out what you're doing but they're uh the dead hate the living you know? 
Mm-hmm. All right. I remember that movie. I'll say, Len, uh, if you must follow your own path, then so be it. I'll I'll draw them to me, and I will um, I'll use my my move called What Are You Waiting For, where I cry out a challenge to all enemies in earshot, and if I roll successfully, then I I taunt them essentially. Nice. All right. Uh, come. I got a nine. Nice. All right. So, uh, does that have a specific on a seven through nine? Blah, yes. Blah? On a seven through nine, only a few, the weakest or most foolhardy among them, fall prey to your taunting. Nice. Okay. So I'll say like, uh, so what is it that you do to taunt them? Um. Hmm. I'll uh, I'll slam my sword into the ground a few times to like get their attention and uh, uh, he, he's just gonna just, just shout and have it reverberate through the whole cavern and say um, you know I haven't thought of a battle cry what would be a good genie battle cry sim sim as you wish there you go I like that as you wish Yes, good times for all. What a fun adventure that they went on, and what a crazy goblin they ran into. Join us in two weeks when we continue our Dungeon World adventure, The Hunt for the Black Stallions, on This American Dice. This episode featured the vocal stylings of Alex, Carl, Lee, Austin, David, and was run by Lee. Dungeon World is a game by Sage Latora and Adam Cobald. Additional music for this episode includes Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Pernay and Milosov Milosov Kolar. I'm going to go ahead and say that again. Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Pernay and Milosov Kolar. Join us again next week on another episode of This American Dice. Hey, everybody. If you could please rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher, it would really help This American Dice. And for every five-star review we receive, we'll read it on air. Join us next week for another episode of This American Dice. That's a... <laughs> Jeremy's never coming back.